1: One programming note for listeners, this week the podcast will be playing some of our favorite rerun episodes. We'll be back with new episodes on Tuesday, November 16th. Today's episode is a rerun of the second part of our series on investor acquisitions of physician practices. Some have compared the rapid growth of these private equity-backed groups to the rise and fall of physician practice management companies in the 90s. Former FICOR executive Peter Kindertruck compares today's trends to what happened back then. Private equity firms, investors, and other disruptors have been acquiring physician practices at an increasing clip, rolling them up into large groups. The goal here is to achieve scale, gain contracting leverage with insurers, and drive more procedures and other services to non-hospital-owned sites. In our last episode, TrustWorks Collective founder and CEO Anthony Deretida warned there are some signs that the rise of these roll-ups are starting to look like the 90s.
2: Where we're getting value just out of growth, it's very similar to the 90s. And so you can't help but ask the question, what happens when the growth stops? Because it's the growth and the potential of the growth that's fueling the multiples. And so when that stops, now what?
1: Back then, physician practice management companies, or PPMCs, were gaining momentum and popularity. Back in the 90s, managed care was becoming more popular as a way to control growing healthcare spending. And many thought it seemed likely that so-called Hillary care would become a reality, and physician practices would need to adapt. So, in the early to mid-90s, PPMCs were buying up practices across the country to take on the business functions, help achieve economies of scale, and negotiate better rates with insurers. They common. By one estimate, there were 39 publicly traded PPMCs by 1998. One of the biggest that is most associated with the rise and fall is FICOR. It was founded in 1988 by former HCA executives in Nashville and went public in 1992. Peter Kindrichuk had been working on the business side of multi-specialty groups for years, and he thought FICOR had a good idea
2: in my experience, to that point in my career, medical groups always were in a, um, uh, a difficult time in terms of just kind of holding it all together. And the, uh, the, the advent of a third party, uh, with, uh, financing capacity, capital capacity, management expertise, uh, that was perhaps more consistent than the, the randomness that you might experience from one medical group to another. Um, all of those were factors that, um, you know, made for a compelling model.
1: So he joined in 1994 as an operating vice president where he was in charge of managing multiple medical groups. At the time, there were several factors pushing physician practices to seek this kind of help.
2: One of the motivators for physicians to align with FICOR or other PPMs was the concern that the Hillary Care model, where there was going to be assumption of professional risk for the cost of care by those providers, that that was coming down the pike? It seemed to have some momentum. Ultimately, it didn't happen, but at the time, I think motivated by the concern of how are we going to manage in this very different world. Caused a lot of medical groups to seriously consider a relationship with a FICOR or other PPM. Um, I think some of the other reasons were the perception that they could have uh, better management expertise, or more particularly as insurance companies were amassing scope and size, that they needed to likewise. And then, of course, the, the, the basic management capability and expertise was a, a strong motivator for many.
1: As Peter explains it, FICOR's pitch to practices was...
2: The typical FICOR model had a um, what was called an 85-15 split. So you take the, the pool of income available to the physicians each month, and that would be split 85% of the physicians and 15% to FICOR. The presumption was, and I think there is some truth to it, but the presumption was, was that you were going to improve the economics such that the 15 wouldn't have been a problem.
1: The strategy was to acquire multi-specialty groups and later on to put together new groups from small, single, or few physician primary care practices in the same area. Peter says even though FICOR had somewhere around 55 medical groups and more than 3,800 physicians, one of the problems was that they were too spread out to gain enough leverage with insurers, who were also quickly consolidating at the same time. Peter was involved with groups across Colorado at the time
2: how relevant is a group in Pueblo relative to their relationship with the, uh, the insurance companies compared to a group in, in Boulder or in Denver or in Greeley. And yeah, they're, they're all in the same state, but it's, it's not as though there was, you know, massive, massive scope and size. And I think realistically, we would have probably had to have in the hundreds of medical groups in order to really be you know, relevant in terms of a toe-to-toe negotiating with the insurance companies.
1: Peter said his first clue that things were starting to fall apart was his work with the first group acquired by FICOR, the Green Clinic in Ruston, Louisiana.
2: It was um, a a very solid group, but it was a a great example of a group that in many ways was um, enabled by a FICOR to do the things that they historically had not done. They were sort of the large group in town, a single hospital in town, and they had the ability to uh, invest in various uh, ancillary services, surgery centers, things of that sort.
1: He noticed there was a lot of turnover of physicians over the course of even just a few years. And the new doctors who hadn't gotten the cash from the buyouts weren't happy about paying 15 percent of their revenue to the management company.
2: And not very many years down the road post transaction, you were dealing with perhaps a third of the physicians who were new, who had not received proceeds, who had this concern about, you know, paying the 15 the, percent, the if you will and it struck me that I kind of had the benefit of working with what was essentially a ticking time bomb for the entire organization because while many of these groups were more recent transactions, they were all going to be going through this aging off and and turnover kind of a situation with this dynamic that was going to be problematic.
1: And this started happening with other medical groups who weren't finding being a part of FICOR was increasing their revenues enough to make that management fee worthwhile. In 1998, the Wall Street Journal wrote about the revolt of the 100-plus physician practices in Arkansas and Florida that were starting to dissolve ties with FICOR. Some doctors ended up going to court to get out of non-compete agreements. Important external factors were also happening at the time. Hillary care never ended up happening and insurance reimbursements across the decade decreased meanwhile malpractice costs increased eventually FICOR filed for bankruptcy in 2002 and did what Peter called a fire sale of practices back to physicians for about 15 to 20 cents on the dollar
2: so now you had this sort of sad situation it was sad from my perspective because i had spent my entire career in the physician practice management world and perhaps the best model had sort of dissipated and gone away, not only FICOR, but others. Um, And so I think that left the hospitals an opportunity to do what made a lot of sense for them, which was in particular to acquire primary care capacity, sometimes specialties as well, but but more heavily focused on primary care capacity. So so that primary care capacity uh, became obviously a big initiative for hospitals in the early 2000s through, through present day.
1: Peter said, "Ficore made a few big mistakes.
2: One of the mistakes was the price earnings multiple got so ridiculous that it drove a, a, a need to do deals. Yeah, I remember one year we were like one of the ten or fifteen best stocks in the country, and you get all this, you know, great publicity. But there's the very practical issue of, you know, how do you, how do you deal with that? Um, how do you realistically manage that?" It's, it's not a kind of a business like a Tesla or something like that where you can just, you know, expand the scope ad infinitum. Um, there, there is a limit, particularly if your philosophy is we want to stay focused on the multi-specialty group.
1: Given his experience, I asked Peter about whether he thought the current roll-ups were going to result in a similar fate as the physician practice management companies.
2: This is a difficult business. It's never been an easy business. It's a business of nickels and dimes. It's not a business where you can easily amass, um, as I mentioned earlier, uh, volume and and capacity. And you kind of have to struggle with, okay, well, what's really behind this? Is it anything more than just saying, we've got a nice three or five year track record of acquiring a bunch of businesses that are common. They're similar, but they may not be integrated in any way. And now we're just going to flip that.
1: Peter says although FICOR and physician practice management companies may not have been the right model for physician practices, he laments that there still isn't a good one out there yet.
2: We still haven't found the right, perfect relationship for physician structures, whether that's hospital employment, single specialty, multi-specialties, freestanding, you know, part of a PPM relationship. We're still struggling in terms of other areas of the healthcare world, hospitals and ambulatory facilities and diagnostic facilities and such. There's sort of a greater consensus, in my opinion, in terms of the best way to run the model, the, the, the delivery of care and the economics of, of care and those. But we haven't really got there yet with physicians. And it's unfortunate. I hope we do get there.
1: That was Peter Kendrachuk, former FICOR executive. Coming up in the third part of our series about how private equity acquisitions of physician practices are impacting the healthcare market, we'll look at the emergency medicine and hospital-based space, where private equity rolled up physicians starting in the early to mid-2000s. Thanks for listening to GIST Healthcare Daily. I'm Alex Olkin. You can check out more insights on healthcare business and policy news on justhealthcare.com. JS Gist Healthcare Daily is an independent production of Just Healthcare.
0: Hold up. What was that?